Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to be here with you. I'm Sarah. This is Micah. We're the pastors at the Vine Church, and we are happy to be together today, even if it's just virtually. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for joining us this morning. So I had this interesting experience uh, last week or two. Uh, we were having um, a meal with some friends, and uh, some people at the table had a bagel. And uh, one of our friends, he... Um, he took his bagel and he put honey all over it. And then he proceeded to get his knife and fork out and start eating his bagel with a knife and fork. Well, our kids at the table, uh, they were just astonished. They just freaked out. What in the world are you doing with a knife and a fork? Uh, it wasn't the most tactful uh, response no, I think no. they could have conjured in the moment. But that's what happened. Um, and it got me thinking about how when we see things different than what we expect or what we've known, what the norm is in our own mind, which of course is quite relative, when we see something different, quite often our reaction and response is to push it away, to other this, to reject it or to criticize it. It's hard to deal with things that are different. And today in our text, as we continue in Ephesians, Paul is going to challenge us um, to cling to, to strive for unity in spite of differences. So if you've been with us, you know we've been in the book of Ephesians and we've gotten through the first half of Ephesians. So the first three chapters of Ephesians really focuses on what God has accomplished. So we've talked about the spiritual blessings found in Jesus, redemption and hope and forgiveness of sins. We've, we've talked about how we're made alive in Christ and that Jesus is our peace. Um, a few weeks ago, we, we discussed how Jesus broke down the dividing walls of hostility and the barriers that existed between the Gentiles and the Jews and bring brought all the believers together, adopted them into one family, God's family. And so as we're going through the book of Ephesians, we've seen how Paul, though he's a prisoner uh, during the time of this writing, he's a prisoner. He has just celebrated what God has accomplished through Jesus. Okay, so we continue today in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1, and he kind of starts to make a shift. Listen for it here. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you are called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul says in the beginning here, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So in the first three chapters, you'll find no instruction from Paul. Instead, as Sarah was describing, you'll find him talking about what God has accomplished through Christ that you have been adopted in. No instruction. He's not telling you what to do, how to live, any of that in the first three chapters. He's describing how remarkable God's work has been in our lives and in the church. Now, in chapter four, he begins to shift and he says, so because of all that God has accomplished, um, I urge you to, he, he's going to start challenging us, so live in these sorts of ways. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So what does that worthy life 
look like, a life worthy of the calling you receive? Well, it depends on the context. It depends on the calling that we are receiving. I remember for many years, I was a third grade teacher. And when September rolled around, I mean, the whole month of September was establishing a classroom culture. Here at sometimes, some years I would have as many as 30 kiddos, all from different backgrounds, different uh, places, even different families coming together in one classroom. And so we spent the month of September, the first month, just establishing our classroom norms. This is how we were going to treat each other with, with kindness and respect and, and inclusion. And we had to figure out how to come together, though we came from many different places, how to come together as one. And I feel like there's a a similarity here to what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, God has brought you together. Look at all the things that God has accomplished to bring you together. And so I urge you to live a life worthy of this calling. Notice the order too. He doesn't say, hey, I need you to to live up to God's standards and then I'm going to tell you what God's calling is. He Rather, he says, God has already called you. Mm-hmm. God has already brought you together. And now, because he's brought you together through what Jesus has done, now I beg you, let's let's live into this calling. Yeah, live a life worthy of the calling. What does that look like? Well, we'll talk about some more details, but ultimately it's going to be centered in the character of Jesus, right? In the ways that he lived in this world. So Paul's going to go on in verse 2 to describe some of the characteristics that would... Uh, that would demonstrate uh, the way of Jesus and living into this calling that we've received. He says, be completely humble and gentle and patient. Now, these are just like the hallmark of our Western society and culture, right? <laughs> Humble and gentle hallmark, and huh? patient. Yeah, this is just this is precisely exactly what we, what we like. strive for in life. Yeah, and look like. No, it's really not. I mean, we are so prideful and independent and we celebrate and honor, you know, success and accomplishment at the expense of whoever else or whatever else. That's often the way mm. our culture plays out. He describes something very different, a kingdom that operates mm. on entirely different values. He says, as you live a life worthy of the calling you've received, it will inco- incorporate uh, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, when I think of humility, gentleness, and patience, um, I think that, you know, there's some ways we can be really intentional to live into these kingdom principles and these way of living into the, the life of Jesus. Um, for instance, in the evening, it might be really valuable to reflect upon our conversations we had with our children or our spouse or our coworkers and say, did I demonstrate humility, gentleness, and patience? So there's some element of us really engaging in this process of saying, I will intentionally live into the way of Jesus or into this kingdom. But there's also the reality that uh, three uh, of the four, including the, the love you'll mention, three of the, the four of these are listed as uh, gifts of the Spirit as well. That, that God is producing in us these things. And there's a really interesting juxtaposition uh, in this and other subjects that we read about today in that he says, God has done this. God is giving you these things, humility, gentleness, love, and patience. He's giving you these things. 
And yet we have a responsibility to intentionally live into those. Those will never manifest in our relationships unless we intentionally engage what God is giving us in our lives. So I hear you saying there's a both and. Mm-hmm. There's there's a yes and also aspect of this. And God is accomplishing this. And also he's calling us to participate in what he is accomplishing. That's it. Paul then writes, bear with one another in love. And it's just really interesting to me that he uses this word bear. In in, in the Greek, it has this connotation of endure. <laughs> endure endure each, other each other with love. Um, but isn't it true that sometimes this is really challenging? Yeah. There, It's hard to always communicate in these ways with gentleness and humbleness and patience and love. And so Paul is saying, be intentional about this. Engage in love, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, Jesus said that. So yes, to to engage in these ways might be hard, but this is what we're called to, and this is what we are empowered to do through the Spirit. Well put. And he continues on that. They make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort to keep Unity, to keep the unity. You know, often when we think of uniformity, we hear, or unity, we hear the word uniformity. Yes. <laughs> when we uh, when we think of unity, we, we hear uniformity. Um, but uniformity is not the goal of Christendom. In fact, unity, as he speaks of here, assumes differences, right? Mm-hmm. If we are striving for making every effort to keep unity, then there is no doubt that there are differences. There, there are things that could divide us, and yet... He's saying here that we have been brought together unified, and it is our job, in spite of the differences, in spite of any challenges we might face, to seek unity. And in fact, the diversity present, the differences present, can also augment the unity and bring people bringing different things. Mm -hmm. And then as we come together as a whole, united, even more beautiful. Right. So Paul says... Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit, the unity of the spirit. This is a really, really interesting phrase for me because it's, it's God. It's the spirit that has and continues to bring about this unity. So it's not that we as believers are called to create this unity where unity does not exist. Rather, God has already established the unity, and then we are to make every effort to keep this unity, to guard it, to live Mm -hmm. into the unity that God has brought about and continues to bring about. And this is what requires that effort, the the effort, intentionality, and being humble and gentle and patient and loving with each other. Yeah. So keep every effort to keep this unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, Each week we're breaking off small sections of this letter, but ultimately in the first century, as Paul wrote this Mm -hmm. to the churches around Ephesus, he, um, it would have been read in its entirety. Mm -hmm. People would have been listening to the flow of the entire context of this letter. And, uh, here he's used the word peace before. And in fact, he's clarified, um, that Jesus is your peace. So he's saying here, keep, uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through Jesus, who is your peace. He has brought peace and unity to this people. 
And then Paul continues in verse 4, and he writes, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There's a repetitive word in there. There is. Did you catch it? <laughs> one. The yes. number one. Yeah, there's one body and one spirit yes. and one hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God. You see what he's doing here is he, he's saying uh, the spirit has, and Jesus have brought unity to you also strive to maintain it. And then he goes into explain this idea of unity through the fact that in Christendom, in the kingdom of God, there is so much of this oneness you like all these singular things have been brought together and unified as a people um so he speaks of baptism you were all baptized or adopted into the family of god there is one lord there is one hope there is one spirit there is oneness here and you too are invited to live into unity the oneness that is the body of christ i don't know about you but when i hear this part of me says but but there's so much disunity Yes, so we're one, but the church, I mean, there's so much disunity mm. within the church. You, you see it all over the place. Church fights and church splits and animosity and disrespect mm. between believers, people who profess Jesus. And so, and so I, it makes me stop and ask, well, what's, what's going on here? You know, when Paul wrote this letter, there was a whole lot of disunity present within the church. Then here we have Jews and Gentiles who didn't mix, who didn't uh, run in the same social circles and do things the same way that God has brought together. And they were struggling to be united. They were struggling to operate as a family. And yet Paul is reminding them saying, Hey, remember what God has accomplished. Remember that it's God that has brought you Together, This is like a declaration, a, a proclamation that God has brought you together. God has united you. So though you may look different, though you may act different, you may feel different than each other, you are indeed one in Jesus. God has brought you and also us together as one family. So... Um... The Olympics started this last week, mm. and we've been watching some soccer. That's a, a sport that I really enjoy to watch. And um, as I was watching and reflecting on this passage, um, this really bad illustration came to mind. <laughs> well, tell um, us. Yeah. We like to hear those. Right. No, it, actually, it, it did. It, it felt interesting to me. Um, so in soccer, uh, you know, your team comes together, um, and one ball... Uh, is the pursuit, right? Get that ball into the goal. And I was thinking about how different the game of soccer would be if everyone on your team had its own soccer ball and was to just go and score it and do their own thing. It's, it's an entirely different concept and game that to me doesn't sound that entertaining or interesting. <laughs> um, but in the church, like, like a, a soccer team, you know, all our different churches in all their diversity or within a single church, you could, you could draw the illustration there, but I'd rather talk about the global church, mm -hmm. um, comes together with 
all its distinctive uh, abilities and all of its different character and its engagement in different mm -hmm. places and in different ways with one pursuit and one goal. That is the kingdom of God. That is the mission of God. The, you know, one, one unifying thing that is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who have brought us together. We have this one thing in common and a common pursuit in all of our diversity in different roles. I don't think that's such a bad illustration. Is it not that bad? I, I don't, don't know. think so. You know, the idea of we have our own individual abilities and gifts, and yet Christianity is is a team sport. We come together as a community to best reflect mm. God to the world. So that totally makes sense to me. Um, Paul also writes in here, uh, he ends verse uh, 6 with one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. And I think it's significant to point out, again, that it's God that's the uniter. It's God who is the one who brings unity. Unity is possible because there is this one God bringing people together overall, in all, and through all. So as God brings people together and unites people through Jesus, now we ask the question, so will we live into this unity? Will we live out this unity? Will we live as a family that's united under Jesus? Absolutely. So we zoom out and we look at this section. Paul has begun um, kind of a, a new pursuit in this letter that he's writing. Uh, he says, okay, so Christ, uh, God through Christ has done all of this. So now live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And the first aspect of living that life um, is to uh, realize that Christ, the Spirit, has brought us together, unified us. So live into that unity. He says, go ahead and now live it out. Enjoy the diversity, work through the challenges, but live in the unity that the Spirit has created. You know, I was watching the opening ceremony of um, the Olympics this last week, and um, in the speech at the end, as the commissioner is about to, you know, kick off and officially begin the Olympics, he spoke so much of unity. Mm -hmm. he, he spoke of, like, how this has brought the world together. This has unified us. And I just hear Paul in this letter saying, and how much more? Has Christ and his sacrifice, God and his love, the spirit and its work in our lives communally, how much more has the way of Jesus brought unity and invitation to us in this world? And so Paul says, make every effort, church, people of God, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Be eager, desire, work towards unity. And so together as a church, we want to recognize that Jesus is our peace. He has torn down the dividing walls of hostility and the barriers between us. And through the spirit, then we, the church, get the, the opportunity to make every effort to keep this unity, to ensure that, that we don't build those walls that divide us back up. And so we're invited uh, today and, and, and in the future to examine our lives for ways that we engage and, and ways that we think that maybe create hostility or foster disunity within the church. And with honesty and vulnerability and willingness, we surrender to God and to the Spirit's work in our lives, in our community. And we ask the Spirit to deconstruct 
the ways of thinking and engaging in us that create disunity and to reconstruct in us the ways in which we can live united, ways in which we can be one family that we might be transformed to truly reflect this oneness that God has accomplished through Jesus. We want to be that one family under God. Yeah, you know, we in the church are the window through which the world gets to look in and see what is the way of God? What is this kingdom? What is this hope found in new creation? And so as we live into this unity, the world sees something beautiful and something special. And so we this week, we challenge ourselves as Paul challenges the Ephesian church. Uh, He says, make every effort. We challenge ourselves to live into this unity, uh, to choose conversations and choose our tone in our conversations uh, and choose our engagement uh, in, in ways that might maintain unity or create unity where there might be some division or some hostility or some challenge in our lives. We engage in ways that might bring about or maintain unity. And we engage in these conversations, in uh, these um, engagements of the week with humility and gentleness and patience. So we want to pray about that. We want to invite you to pray with us. I mean, Jesus, we, we acknowledge you as our peace. We praise you because you have made us all one. You have torn down the dividing walls of hostility and division, and you have called us to live as one family, your family. And God, we confess that as as the church, as the global church, we have often not lived this out. We've not engaged in unity and we've allowed disunity and division to exist uh, within our churches and amongst churches. And so God, we ask today for your forgiveness. We ask Lord that you would help us to live out this calling to unity, Lord, that you would create in us, transform us to operate in ways that are humble and gentle and patient and loving towards each other. God, we ask that you would help us to engage um, in, in tearing out walls that exist instead of building them up. Holy Spirit, guide us and teach us to live out what it looks like to be one family in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends, thank you again for joining Amen. us this morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, may we go this week and live in the unity that Christ has created. Absolutely. Have a good one. Bye, everyone.